Hey folks and welcome to another episode of the Podcraft Podcast. This is the show, as you know, about podcasting. Everything podcasting from presentation skills to equipment and everything in between. And as you know, if you've been listening along, this series is all about podcasters. We're talking to podcasters, getting case studies around what their particular skills are, what their wins have been, what they've learned over the years about how to grow a great show. And this time around, we're talking to Paul Kemp from the App Guy podcast. He's up to 500 episodes now, so he's been getting that going for years. He's been going on for a long time. So I wanted to talk to him about, well, basically how he manages that, the logistics around how to keep a podcast going for that long, how to get a return on that podcast that justifies such a, a huge longevity of the show. So without further ado, let's have a chat with Paul. Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me on, Colin. It's fantastic. No, that's no worries at all. It's great to uh, have a chat with you about your show. And uh, yeah, really, I mean, I've already <laughs> talked about the fact that you are, you know, the thing that made your show stand out to me was just the fact that how long it's been going. I mean, what episode are you up to now? Oh, we're in the plus 500s. Which, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I'm talking to somebody who has an appreciation for the number of episodes it doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people but uh, yeah over 500 no i mean yeah knowing the work that goes into running a show that's just uh, it's amazing to me there's not many shows reach that milestone certainly um and over a length of time as well do you remember when the first episode came out Yes, my first episode, actually, I do remember it very well. In fact, uh, I think I spoke about that on our mutual friend, Tim Sinclair show, uh, uh-huh. the worst interview. And uh, that was my worst interview because it was my first one. <laughs> and uh, I sat down on the kitchen table, set up the microphone and uh, in- interviewed a professor of um, uh-huh. uh, app development. And he'd written a book. And then I felt such a fake going through that interview. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it was the first one I'd, I'd got over that first hurdle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> taking that first step, that's the thing that most people put off, isn't it? So that's always uh, the one show that starts the next 500. So that's great. Um, what is it? Do you have like a quick uh, 10 second elevator pitch for what your show is about for the listener? Yes, it's uh, a show about app entrepreneurship. It's inspirational. Uh, there's a lot of listeners who have left corporate jobs to follow uh, a, a almost like a, a life in app entrepreneurship. So it's all about app entrepreneurship and technology. Excellent. And how, so how, just jumping straight into the consistency here, really, the longevity of the whole show, how often do you get out then? Is it weekly, fortnightly? Right. Okay. So uh, initially then episode one, it was weekly, mm-hmm. uh, one episode a week. And then I was finding that I was having so many uh, guests who wanted to get on the show because of the subject matter, you know, app entrepreneurship was just exploding back then. And so then it went to twice a week and then three times a week. And then I just jumped all in and mm-hmm. decided I'm just going to go for five episodes a week. So I actually kept up five episodes a week for uh, uh, several years. And really? it's only recently that I've um, pulled back on that. And the, the reason being is that the just the, the rate was becoming uh, harder to achieve given all these other opportunities that, that have opened up because of my podcasting. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's amazing, keeping up that frequency over that amount of time. So can you sort of walk me through your process for actually getting those podcasts out? How did you go about... Um, recording, processing, uh, publishing. Was it batched or were you doing these separately? Yes. Uh, so 
It is batched, uh, meaning uh, I, I do a pile of interviews uh, over the course of a week, mm-hmm. and then I line them up. And uh, uh, at my height of my production, I was like prepared one month in advance for all the episodes. Uh, you know, the content is evergreen. It's uh, not particularly uh, relevant to timely current events. So, uh, you know, there was a few app launches that I had to meet, but generally, you know, I could do that. So I batched up five um, uh, episodes a week, uh, uh, usually a month in advance. And uh, then I would just have like a production line where I schedule the release of the episodes on autopilot mm-hmm. and I scheduled the email that goes to the guests to say that your episode is live. Everything was like scheduled working mm-hmm. like clockwork. It, it was a, it's, well, basically it's a great system. Yeah. So you'd have one chunk of time where you do all of the interviewing, all of the recording. Would you do the, sh- the scheduling of the, you know, the communications at that point as well, or is that a separate activity? Yeah. So here's a good tip off the back. Uh, and all these tips I, I tend to share on, on the show, uh, the app guy podcast. So it's uh, a tool that I use called boomerang mm-hmm. and boomerang is wonderful. It's an, uh, it integrates with your Gmail and I schedule, uh, the email that goes out to say, Hey, your episode is live. Uh, you know, and it, please do promote this link as we agreed and, uh, like all this kind of other stuff that then goes to the guest, but that's scheduled in advance about an hour after the episode goes live. Cause it does take a while to propagate uh, amongst, uh, the iTunes, iTunes, a library. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you, you, well, I know you do actually, cause we used it for this show. You have a booking process as well. Cause that's often one of the more arduous points of trying to get five people on a week, certainly even never mind one a week. <laughs> um, um, how did you go? How do you go about booking people in? Yeah, okay. So there's a transition, and I think uh, for those of your listeners who are just getting into it, you know, they may struggle with what I struggled early on, which is actually getting any attention from top speakers. And so I had a, a virtual assistant who's worked with me for years, who uh, was basically researching the potential guests for the show and then inviting them through the use of an email. Uh, and it was uh, an email that gave me uh, incredible conversion. Uh, it was uh, something along the lines of uh, plus 60% uh, would at least open and reply uh, to the email. And it was, do you want to be a guest on the uh, on my podcast show? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just inviting them to be a guest. So for the first six months, uh, really, my virtual assistant was doing that. The first, I would say, 80 to 100 episodes was me targeting uh, other speakers who had been previously on other podcasts. Uh, But then once I got the momentum, uh, I've never really had to ask for another guest again because most of my guests come through recommendations, word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And so the booking process now is that I uh, assess the um, the guest and, and whether they're going to add real value to the show. And then uh, they book themselves on using Schedule Once, which is a tool that I uh, I op- op- absolutely love. It's mm-hmm. a wonderful tool. And yeah, they book themselves on. I block out certain times through the week where I take the, the calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually I have to work some evenings because a lot of the guests do tend to be in the west coast of the usa given its tech and silicon valley yeah. uh, but it's and I'm, because i'm based here in the uk as you can tell uh, other than that it's uh, it's a wonderful booking system and in fact i can only count on one hand uh, the number of episodes that have gone completely belly up with regards <laughs> to scheduling conflicts and people missing and i think i've only had one guest who maybe uh, didn't turn up 
yeah it's been pretty good yeah i mean schedule one so we use calendly here but it's exactly the same thing really isn't it it saves so much time over the long run and i think i find the automated reminders that go out as well in advance of the uh, the interview so they your guest gets an appointment uh, and then that system actually sends that automated reminder as well which i think cuts down a lot on those uh, no shows that you sometimes get but, but I want to mention something about longevity as well, which is the reason I'm doing this, and I talk a lot about this uh, art, like to guests on the show, is for the fact that you can have immense fun mm-hmm. with podcasting. I left a corporate career to go into uh, like tech, and, and I just fell into podcasting because uh, I, I love listening to them and wanted to be a creator. Uh, and my um, the episode three to about episode 20 was recorded whilst living in Dubai. And I was trying to gain residency in Dubai. And then I've lived in France. I've lived um, around Asia, uh, spent time traveling, recording episodes from remote parts of like an island in Lombok or uh, from the rice fields in Bali. Uh, And uh, it's just been wonderful. So I would sort of encourage any of your listeners who want that life of freedom, that it can be attained. and, And podcasting is just a great way of uh, actually achieving that sort of digital nomad type lifestyle <laughs> i love that idea of uh, of podcasting from a from a field in the other side of the world getting the background noise the atmosphere must be nice <laughs> uh, the, one of my favorites was actually uh, recording whilst hearing monkeys climbing on the roof in bali we were near a monkey forest <laughs> really uh, the other one was near this rice field where you've got the farmers on the rice fields and it, just the most picturesque uh, blissful um actually location and uh, yeah I, I i've loved podcasting because it's introduced me to this lifestyle which i just thought was almost non-existent you know having worked in an office and gone to the nine to five corporate job yeah yeah that's amazing yeah uh, when you're so when you're choosing the people to talk to from these uh, amazing locations <laughs> how do you sort of you mentioned just there how um, making sure that they're going to offer value to the show when you, the problem that i find with people that we work with sometimes they think about they get into 100 200 episodes um if they get that far uh with interviews you start to get a lot of duplication it's hard to find people who are telling something unique how do you think about that how do you find people who are still offering new things to the show or do you not worry too much about duplication well actually the way I do it is is actually quite a selfish thing. I just want to speak to people who are fascinating, who inspire me. And the reason I want to do that is because, you know, again, I go back to this. I left a corporate job. The people I was surrounded by were in that corporate mentality. And so I felt like I was doing everything wrong. You know, why on earth am I leaving a six-figure salary here to, you know, go into become a podcaster? You know, it's just um, crazy. And, uh, and so I, I felt like a fraud, uh, as I mentioned. But uh, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners feel this way as well. However, I wanted to speak to people that would inspire me, people that w- were like-minded, people that were doing amazing things. You will not believe the number of people in the world when you start to go down that road and you focus on a particular industry, mine is you know, a- apps and uh, entrepreneurship and startups, uh, that there are so many awesome people to talk to. And so my gauge is that uh, sometimes I may have a quick 15-minute chat with them. Very unlikely, though. I'll just look at their LinkedIn profile, see if they're like interesting. 
And then I just have a very natural conversation with them. And, and I genuinely am fascinated with hearing their story. And that's what keeps it fresh. That's why I've only, I think I only have, uh, or I can count on one hand, the number of guests who have come back for a second time. Mm. Uh, so, and I find it all unique because uh, every time it's a very different structure. It's just a conversation and yeah. you always felt like learn some new stuff. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think you're right. It's great to think about it like that, isn't it? Because I, I think a lot of people worry about the particular topic um, and making sure there's a really unique little trick or tip or something like that in there. Um, and that can be nice sometimes. But yeah, sometimes it's just great to hear somebody's story, which is always unique. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's two types of podcasts. There's the technical side, you know, I guess that gives you a lot of uh, quantitative uh, data and, uh, you know, all the tips and, uh, and, and I've actually preferred to go for the more uh, inspirational type of podcast where uh, the guests are uh, talking to potentially people who want to make a change in their lives. Yeah. And so we keep it very top level. And, you know, I've had some very inspirational guests. We're talking about the co-founder of Skype. I had a chat with him recently. That was my episode 500. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's obviously had a successful uh, career and he was yeah. talking on the show about the extermination of the human race, which actually is fairly fascinating, right. <laughs> to, you know, given that we're all going to die at some point and because we're going to be um, killed by the machines and the artificial intelligence that we create. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we've, I've been introduced to uh, Woz, uh, the co-founder of Apple, right, and um, I'm currently I've been introduced to the personal coach to Hugh Jackman, who's right. now getting me uh, giving me a custom workout plan so I can get a body like the Wolverine character. Oh, nice! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the network has been just wonderful, and and for anyone who's on the fence about podcasting, who's listening to your show. Yeah. Man, how I, I'm just a nobody who was a nine to fiver working in a city, and here I am getting trained up by the personal coach of Hugh Jackman. So, <laughs> you know, and that's because of podcasting. Do you think that your five day a week approach helped towards that? Do you think that really accelerated it? Was really worth the effort? It's a huge amount of effort. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, but I would say that. Uh, it certainly expanded my network. So I'm incredibly uh, like reachable and I've, I just know this extremely uh, big network. And the reason I was doing that is because I'm not based in Silicon Valley. I'm not based in New York or uh, London. In fact, uh, you know, I work um, sort of one hour out of London. And so how was I going to build up a network? Well, I have five interviews a week with some of the biggest thought leaders around and some very influential influential people then you know suddenly your network it, it grows exponentially and and that's exactly what happened uh, to me so if you want to build a network yeah go for the five days a week but it's not imperative i don't think yeah <laughs> so that well that's a nice little segue actually to what i want to talk to you about next which is uh, your growth methods really how you've managed to grow the show over the years because uh, presumably 500 odd episodes in you're not still doing it with just 50 odd listeners or something so um, you mentioned before we started recording an, uh, a pretty unique method for growing your uh, your audience which builds upon you know the, the kind of leveraging your interviewees as a pretty standard approach you know you try and get them to promote uh, your show for you but uh, your approach is a little bit different can you tell me a bit about it again yeah first I'd like to 
uh, talk about the fact that, we're, you know, we're talking about metrics. And I think a lot of this stuff is vanity metrics. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, you know, I actually got quite despondent um, for the first six months because, you know, you'd end up with 500 downloads or something. And then you would track it almost daily and then try and work out whether an episode has uh, added or detracted from your downloads you know what happened i stopped tracking all that stuff my sponsors never asked they got really good results i've had sponsors for years and they never asked about metrics they just wanted to know whether it was going to work and so uh, i actually stopped tracking the downloads uh, specifically and just decided to um actually take an alternative route now in terms of uh, some of the 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 best things that have happened to me, well, obviously getting a good guest and getting their audience coming to you is uh, is really helpful. And um, one of the best guests I think I can remember is, uh, well, there's a few. There's Stephen Key. Uh, he was a guy that had written a lovely book. I, I thought nothing of the interview, um, but then I was flooded by emails afterwards and um, you know a lot of attention. So it's amazing how you'd never know the guests that are going to be the biggest influences yeah, yeah. Uh, on, a, on the other hand, you know, I had guests that had 4 million f- followers on Twitter. They would tweet out the show and I would get zero engagement. So, yeah. um, you know, that just reminded me that metrics are inherently for vanity because a 4 million Twitter follower account and getting no engagement, you know, is just uh, depressing really. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, in terms of some of the, particular growth hacks then uh, i do you mean sorry uh, just to, i just want to ask quickly what metrics do you watch then you, you mentioned that you sort of went away from the vanity metrics what are you watching well because my sponsors are not asking me then i'm actually not tracking downloads the, th- the things that i'm uh, tracking right now are uh, i convert um, uh, some of the really good episodes to uh, i transcribe them and, and turn them into a blog post mm-hmm. so those are the metrics you can actually follow so for example uh, I would then uh, work on getting that uh, art article or blog post. Um, and I've got some growth hackers who help me on this. They post to places like Hacker News, mm. uh, Growth Hacker, uh, some p- particular popular subreddits. Now, on Hacker News, if I get uh, a particular mention onto the homepage, you can get 20,000 views per, uh, per, like, well, within four hours. So it's a huge um, surge of attention. Uh, but you have to like use certain techniques such as uh, getting an influencer to post you and getting some rapid upvotes uh, early on and then not making rubbish comments to get you kicked off. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the other method is a growth hacker will, will tend to give me uh, in excess of about a thousand views. Okay. And so posting there, getting onto the homepage again, uh, using um, a few people in my network to rapidly give me up votes so that it lands on there. Uh, product hunt's been good, although, um, yeah, so I have been posting onto product hunts uh, and they have a podcast section. Now, the very disappointing news is at the time we're recording this, they've just introduced a beta, which actually is doing away with the dedicated podcast section. Now, okay. so any listeners out there, if they're a pod- product hunt fan, please get in touch with the team and tell them, please do not do away with the product, the podcast section, because uh, it can deliver, um, you know, certainly uh, 50 to 100 new listens per episode, which, um, you know, is, is moderate, but that's people listening to your show. Yeah, it's not insignificant. Uh, so, and again, it depends on uh, your 
your kind of network to upvote because the whole mechanism is based on the number of natural upvotes that you get and you rise to the top and you get more listeners mm-hmm. uh, basically mm-hmm. uh, so that are the numbers um, and then really I've been doing some other really interesting growth hacks such as uh, posting quotes from the show onto Pinterest now mm-hmm. Pinterest has been giving me anywhere between 10 to 50,000 views per month right. when okay. you track it on to their metrics and so that's taking a quote from the show, uh, putting it into an image, a graphic, and then I use uh, some one of my friend's uh, services called Viral Tag. He's mm-hmm. been on the show. And in fact, episode 149 introduced me to this concept of using Viral Tag. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Viral Tag would post that automatically to, and, and you need to join group boards, boards on Pinterest that have, uh, like big follower counts, uh, and that's then given me, as I say, uh, averaging between ten to fifty thousand views per month on uh, Pinterest, uh, which is an interesting growth hack. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, uh, do you mind, uh, sorry, do you mind if I just ask? It's kind of going back to the longevity aspect. Actually, uh, I mean, a lot of these types of growth hacks, you're taking out quotes, you're, um, you know, you're posting to different areas, you're networking to make sure people are upvoting that kind of stuff. How much time do you allocate for that marketing effort, um, and still make it, still be able to put out five episodes a week? Yeah, well, this is where I've actually started um, because now of the longevity i'm in the luxury yeah. position that to choose my guests quite carefully and in fact uh, some of the guests are making contributions towards the marketing effort mm. and so uh, it does take less time because uh, you know a guest will pay uh, several hundred dollars to uh, put towards the marketing of their episode yeah, and of yeah. course it's a genius idea because if a guest is prepared to pay that then uh, you both benefit from the impact of the uh, the marketing effort, you know, the money spent on, yeah. on paid marketing. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really interesting approach because I've heard... I've heard of shows charging for guests to come on before because it's marketing them, but actually it always seemed quite a mercenary way to do it. It makes it into a transactional thing, but actually if it's a partnership, you're going in together, uh, they are contributing some marketing spend, you're contributing to the audience. I imagine that's much more constructive. Is that is that kind of how you push it? Well, it's a very important aspect because for years, and I still do believe that there's no single guest that can pay to get on the show mm-hmm. because then that detracts from the quality. Yeah. And if I only had one guest, and I shall not mention his name unless anyone emails me and wants to find out, uh, <laughs> who dictated the terms to come on the show, I will only come on the show if you can uh, promote me onto five separate episodes, do this, that, this, that. And uh, I right. thought, uh, I'm not going to, um, kind of bow to that. My principles are that uh, no guest should pay on to get onto the show. However, uh, I make an equal contribution to uh, the promotion of the show because I'm getting the benefit. And uh, the guest then makes an equal contribution. As you say, we go into this as a joint venture. And, and so, um, you know, it's still not kind of given preference to guests because they're paying. Yeah, uh, They're still getting the value, but then we're getting the additional marketing spend uh because you know if you think about tv they always promote themselves don't they on other shows and various places about the uh, potential shows so in the episodes so why can't podcast do it yeah absolutely so you're talking about if you're contributing the same you're talking about say five six hundred dollars there is that about right per episode 
yeah, it's, yeah, it can be about that. Um, uh, it depends. It's, it's um, I would say it's, guess, it's a maybe. variety. Uh, I mean, it can be as low as 300, as right. high as 600. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So how, uh, right, I'm really interested, sorry to ask about the real details of this, but how does that break down then? You're talking about promoting via sponsorship. Are you, are you promoting on other podcasts? Is it mainly websites? Is it, where are you spending that? Okay, so the primary spend then are um, the team that I've built to help the, these particular growth hacks. Mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, I have um, some influencers who I pay uh, who then will go out and promote on and, and post it onto Hacker News, and then uh, they will then leverage uh, the upvotes that are needed. So it's a very uh, kind of gray area growth hack but uh you know appearing on the homepage of hacker news is um just wonderful i mean if you've ever had any experience of it it's a flood of traffic right. and a spike uh so uh, it's actually just paying for these unique um services that uh I've, I've managed to you know find these people that can do this on behalf of me yeah, yeah. Um, but of course they don't promote themselves too much because it's such a gray area in yeah. terms of uh you know like buying access to these uh <laughs> websites yes yeah and i can uh, yeah I, I can see how people might think that I, I mean i'm i'm of the opinion usually that you know you're putting out good quality content you know this stuff's going to be valuable to people um it's not like you're promoting something which is just trying to extract money from folk or you know to try and trick them in any way so if if influencers are willing to to help you along the way to that, uh, if they're compensated for that, I don't really see too much trouble with that. I mean, yeah, it seems fair enough to me. <laughs> yeah, but then you just, you know, if you spoke to any moderators from Reddit or from Hacker News, they mm. would be very upset if they knew people were uh, paying influencers to then appear on those uh, and become popular posts on those what are supposed to be democratic services yeah democratic websites yeah Yeah, fair okay so main so the main part of that spend then is on people so on assistants and influencers are you are you paying for adverts or sort of traditional promotion anywhere Uh, no no in in terms of facebook i am uh, paying to have someone post onto various groups, mm-hmm. which is another great strategy. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, you know, Facebook groups are incredibly uh, concentrated, focused on a particular group. Mm-hmm. And so if you can post on, I, I get posted onto 50 different uh, Facebook groups. Then uh, recently, actually, I had um, something I was working on, which is a dating app uh, that would set dates up within 45 minutes and so you'd actually be within going onto the app 45 minutes to meet someone in person mm-hmm. you know and so really unique and uh you know we ended up um posting onto 50 facebook groups uh through some guys that can do this and that ultimately led to about forty thousand views of the gif that we were promoting and, right. and uh then the video ended up getting about half a million. Yeah. Uh, so it, um, you know, it wasn't just as a result of that, but that certainly kickstarted the whole viral nature of you know the video. But again, it was quite a unique offering and a unique type of video. Yeah, yeah. You knew it was going to catch capture people to entertain them. So yeah, it's worth pointing them towards that. 
Okay, that's really interesting. I mean, it's uh, it's something that um, I've not really heard people talking about before. So it's a, it's a, it's an interesting approach to me. How, is there? I realize you're probably not um, willing to re- reveal your sources, but are there easy ways to find these types of influencers that might be open to that type of partnership? Well, if anybody uh, is interested, you can certainly email me. Mm-hmm. Uh, happy to give out my email, paul at theappguy.co. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what I propose to do is, you know, if they're serious uh, and they're trusted, you know, if you can be trusted, then, yeah, I'll, I'll give you, um, you know, quick access to some of the, the people that I use in my network. But, of course, uh, again, it's not for wide promotion uh, because yeah. it's, um, you know, quite sort of under the radar type growth yeah. hacking yes indeed okay well thanks for sharing that um in terms of just to finish up the show then it'd be interesting to hear because you've been going for such a long time obviously you must be you have to justify that effort in terms of the return and this is a bit that a lot of people struggle with a lot of the folk that come to us to read the site um to work with us struggle with and getting a you know getting a return on their show in the end how do you how do you usually see a return on your show is it is it monetary or is it in other ways i mean you've talked about the network already but how about how else do you get a return on what you do yeah so uh, again leaving my corporate job i would have thought money and only money is the only return that is measured and so uh, if you want to get into podcasting for money please take my advice and don't <laughs> it's not a gold mine no. it takes a, a huge amount of work Um, But, you know, in terms of a return, the first thing is I get a return on my time. You know, I get to work from the exotic locations I get. And and I'm actually going out there with a family, you know, with two young boys, uh, twin boys. And so it's immeasurable. It's a price you can't put on it. The fact that I can spend, uh, you know, quality time with my family out in these exotic locations. Um, So that's the first return Mm -hmm. is time, uh, which is, I guess, the most precious resource uh, of all. So is this, is this your full-time job just now then? Well, I don't do anything else. No, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not just podcasting. So the other thing that's really hard to measure is the impact that it has on all the other things that you get involved with. So (laughs) for example, uh, like in terms of my podcasting, my podcasting has led to me becoming uh, either owners owners in other companies or certainly joint ventures mm-hmm. in other um, companies and uh, getting a return that it, it can't be directly correlated to podcasting but would never have happened if I wasn't podcasting. Yeah. So, for example, I'm about to launch a, a very unique app that is loved by and, in fact, endorsed by uh, Steve Wozniak, the uh, co-founder of Apple, mm-hmm. and uh, I, you know, have an ownership in that company, and that would never have happened if it wasn't for uh, the podcast. Uh, and so that will uh, ultimately, this is a you know a, a potentially huge uh, app that could uh, make a, a lot of money. Yeah. So uh, that's just you know an example of things that are not directly related to podcasting but yeah. do come to you as a result of podcasting yes and you think that came because of the network it was that just the people you met on the show oh totally i can yeah. tell you exactly yeah. i had a listener who met me at an event and uh, introduced me to this uh, guy and then i interviewed him on the podcast and then mm. we uh, ended up uh, going into business together mm-hmm. so excellent uh, mm. are there so are there any other ways you're getting a return 
Yeah, sponsorship was my biggest return, to be sure. fair. And uh, that was last year. Uh, you got, you got um, a lot of sponsors. If you can, you know, I personally focus on a very particular niche. And there's always companies that are willing to spend money uh, if it is targeting uh, their very specific audience. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I had um, a spot. I never took on more than two sponsors per episode. And... Um, that's, uh, that was the biggest return I got last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you, were you doing that on a, a sort of standard CPM type basis or were you negotiating your own rates? Um, I tell you, I'm negotiating my own rates mm-hmm. and these sponsors would approach me and so there would be no marketing, no cold calling, no trying to get, uh, them to pay up. They just want, wanted to, um, be part of the show mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I've had sponsors that have been with me for years um, because they would, I would first of all agree a three-month uh, contract with them. Uh, I draw up the contract, send them over. They would pay, and then they would just renew because the results were, you know, really great. And and it's again, it's immeasurable results because uh, one of the sponsors were, would find out that people had heard about him through the podcast when he was at an Apple event. Yeah. You know? So uh, he, he was like blown away the fact that uh, the name of his company had got out to such an extent that there was a few people mentioning it to him at an event uh, because yeah. of the podcast. That's excellent. Um, when did you find that start? <laughs> Some people will be listening, thinking I'm having to chase sponsors just now. No one's coming to me. Was there was there a particular level in terms of maybe downloads or uh, episode number or just experience when that started to happen? Yeah, I didn't even want to entertain the idea of sponsors initially, uh, and I guess it's like a lot of podcasters. You know, you end up working for nothing. Uh, mm. for the first uh well for me it was almost a year mm. of i never had any sponsors i don't think on my first uh 100 shows or something to that extent and you get kind of used to not wanting to corrupt the episode <laughs> and yeah. uh, uh, then eventually you know uh, i would get uh, sponsors come to me and then eventually it grew after that you know just the impact uh, that you would make if you can do a really good job with uh, the first few sponsors you get and you're not trying to squeeze them too much mm-hmm. uh, they will either stay with you for years mm-hmm. or they certainly would you know re- afterwards recommend you to their peers um, ah, so my advice is just make sure it may be irrelevant to download numbers. It may be your gut feel of how um, you think that the audience will respond to the message and how much impact it's likely to have for the sponsor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's sort of those numbers being bandied about just now. You have to be at, say, three to five K listeners per episode to even think about sponsorship. I think a really targeted thousand listener show with a really obvious listener base that are into a particular product you can still you can sell sponsorship and that no worries so Uh, well even less i mean if it's a hundred but you can do a miraculous job with those hundred people then uh, again it but it's it's about creating the you know if you think about it a lot of these sponsors are starting to find podcasting for the first time they want to dip their toes in they can't afford the expensive shows you know the this american life or all these other ones mm. uh th- this week in twit uh so 
um, sorry, this week in tech. Uh, so they, you know, tried it with the smaller ones. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing that has happened actually, Colin, mm -hmm. is that uh, I'm getting a lot of uh, sponsors flow over from a alternative uh, podcast. It's called Mixergy. Mm -hmm. And they uh, come to me as a result of um, finding me because they'd already sponsored on another show and it's been successful for them and they want to ex expand. So if you can find a show that's similar, that's actually, you know, doing amazingly well, think about the sponsors who are sponsoring there and think about interesting ways to approach those sponsors, uh, not spamming them, but mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. kind of maybe introducing them to interesting content you're working on or some interesting audience reactions. Yeah, that's a great idea. So if, I mean, if they've been sponsoring for a few months at a time, they're obviously finding success with that. So they're, they're going to be more open to the idea, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, that's uh, a really great idea. Yeah, excellent. Okay, thanks for that, Paul. It's, I mean, this has been great. I said I could talk to you for another half hour easy, um, but uh, that's just gone over half an hour already. So I'll uh, I'll try and tie it up just now. Is there anything anything we haven't talked about? You think this is a sort of a big lesson you've had over the last few years of podcasting that you want to share with the audience, or do you think you've covered it all already? I think just really in, do it for the passion. Absolutely pick uh, a topic that you're passionate about. There's no way you should be picking anything that's kind of you think is a money-making strategy or maybe something that you think will give you a return. You've got to be passionate about the subject. People will, it will come across. I can tell you're extremely passionate about podcasting mm -hmm. and um, the other thing is just enjoy it as well and be authentic. I've learned to be very authentic with uh, my guests and with uh, the show and uh, uh, and also just um, see what opportunities it opens up. I mean, here we are broadcasting to the world. I had this example of being in Dubai and um, playing in a kid's playground with my two wonderful young boys and this guy come up and we were chatting and he's like, I listen to your show. And he is living in an oasis town outside of Dubai in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so the impact we have around the world is, is pretty amazing. Don't get despondent with download numbers. It's fascinating. Every single human being you connect with, it can potentially change their lives. And what brings me greatest joy is the fact that I've had so many people now that have uh, called me or emailed me saying, Paul, you've changed my life. I've gone to you know, travel or I've got become a digital nomad or I've, my girlfriend and I are heading off to Thailand. We're going to live in a, in a bamboo hut, whatever the change in their lives has been. It's an amazing impact that you've had on people. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing better, is it? Than hearing stories like that. Brilliant. Okay. Thanks so much, Paul. Uh, do you want to tell us you've shared your email already? Where else can people find you online? What are you, what are you working on? Yeah, so if anyone's interested in the startup scene or being inspired by the entrepreneurs that we uh, speak to, then uh, just visit theappguy.co, uh, theappguy.co, uh, or you can, uh, again, get me on Twitter. It's Paul underscore S underscore Kemp is the uh, Twitter handle, or go to the podcasting app, uh, your favorite podcasting app, <laughs> and search Paul Kemp, and a ton of stuff uh, comes up, even my archives shows. Uh, so that's if you're interested in uh, doing that. And my big challenge right now is I am in the midst of uh, launching uh, VelApp, which is my uh, app that is uh, endorsed by Steve Wozniak. Mm -hmm. So uh, if there's any photographers or any videographers or anyone who loves GoPros or 
extreme sports and recording those, then I'd love to hear from them as well. Excellent. Thanks very much for that. Okay. I hope you've got a lot out of this episode if you're out there listening. Uh, I think I've, I've learned a ton. I've got loads of notes in front of me here. So um, if you want to follow up on this, pop over to the show notes. You'll find them at podcraft. Dot net, and you'll see everything we've talked about there. If I can find everything in it, there's tons, um, tons to include in the show notes this time around. Thanks again, though, Paul, and uh, I'm sure we'll probably try and get you on for another episode at some time soon. I love what you're doing. Thanks <laughs> a lot, Colin. Excellent. Cheers again. <laughs>